Thank you, Shannon and Grace. First, I want to welcome all of you that are gathered here on this wintry day, and thank you for making it out to join us for worship. We also want to welcome those listening on radio. First of all, I have several announcements before we start our service. You'll notice the red rose on the altar this morning is in honor of John and Joanne Hoagie's 66th wedding anniversary, which they will be celebrating on January 16th. So congratulations to both of you. My next announcement is for a young lady I see with us this morning. The flowers, the bouquet of flowers on the altar are given in honor of Marion Wellman's 90th birthday. So congratulations. Happy birthday, Marion. Today, Shannon Rediger will come up later in our service and provide us with a brief update on her mission trip to India. And then immediately following our worship service this morning, you can go over to the ministry center where Shannon will have pictures of her trip and also go into greater detail of her trip. The annual meeting to elect officers and hear reports from various individuals and committees will be held next Sunday, January 20th. It will be held immediately following our worship service in the sanctuary that morning. There will be no breakfast served this year. Uh, Child care will be provided during the meeting in the ministry center. And also Sunday school students are asked to go to ministry center that morning. The annual report is available at all the entrances. If you have not picked one up, we'd suggest just take one per family. It contains all the items we'll be discussing and voting on next Sunday. And I was told by Connie this morning for all of those who are into numbers, I will call it the spreadsheet is on the information table back here if you need more numbers and, and all the numbers will be listed there. At this time, I'd like to call Pastor Joel forward. He has one other announcement. Good morning. Just want to take a moment and just highlight, again, uh, the fact that Shannon will be sharing with us uh, later in the service as well as after the service uh, in the ministry center. We're very excited for what God is doing in her life and the, the direction that he is leading her in, a, in these missions uh, and, and with the world race and now a few months in India. Um, and, and I don't know how much she's going to be sharing, but she's leaving this week to go down to Georgia to continue her ministry training. And so as a church, we want to continue to support her through prayer, which we will be doing today, but also financially if possible. So we do have the blue jug up front. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with that, uh, we'd love to just give take up a love offering for her today to, to help support her in that mission. So if you're able to and willing uh, after the service today, if you want to stop by and, and drop any, any money you're able to in that blue jug, that will go directly to Shannon to support her and the, the cost of the training that she will be beginning this, uh, coming up this soon, this month down in Georgia. So uh, we just want to be uh, continuing to support her in any way we can, uh, first and foremost through prayer, but also financially if we are able. So I invite you to, to give to that cause. We'll have it here during the service and then we'll also bring it next door during the, her presentation uh, at the ministry center. So thank you again for your continued support of her ministry. Thank you, Pastor Joel. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now for those who are able, would you please stand and join me in our call to worship. This morning it is taken from Psalm 135, verses 1 through 5, and also verses 13 through 21. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. 
Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, praise the Lord. House of Aaron, praise the Lord. House of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Our opening hymn this morning is number 97, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. While the children come up for the children's chat with Mrs. Rohrball, just take a moment and greet one another. Alright. Hi. How are you girls this morning? And boys. How are you? Good. What do I got here? Sweethearts. I got candy. You know what? Who wants a sweet tart? Okay. Want to take one? If you want one, come take one. So if I can't reach you. Who else wants a sweet tart? All right. You got to suck on them. All right. You got to suck on them. Don't chew on them. Just suck on them. Are they sweet? Has any of yours gotten sour yet? Yours has gotten sour? Okay, a couple of them got sour. So we like the sweet, not the sour, right? Some people might like the sour. My face goes, I don't like the sour. You know what? When we think of the name Jesus, his name is so sweet. Why is his name sweet? Because he saves us. You're right. He saved us. How did he save us? By dying. By dying on the cross for us, for our sins. And he loves us. And that's what we need to think of when we think of the name Jesus. His name is so sweet. Now, the sour taste that you guys tasted, have you ever heard the the expression OMG? Okay, when we say OMG, 
it leaves a sour taste on our tongue because we are not using Jesus's name as sweetly as it should be used. So when we think of something and it may be, may, okay, maybe something happens to us and we, it's, it's bad or we're like shocked. We hear some surprising news and we're like, OMG. But those are the ways that we should not be using Jesus's name. We should be using Jesus's name in song, in prayer, on our lips, when we talk to people. We should be sharing Jesus's name because you know what? He teaches us to share. He teaches us to love and he teaches us to be disciples. And disciples share Jesus's good name and his sweet name. So this week, I want you to try to not use Jesus's name badly, but use it very sweetly and pray to him. If you like to sing, sing to him, WBCL. There's some other Christian radio stations that play that you can sing songs and worship. So think of that this week, okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your sweet name. Thank you for your, what your sweet name represents. Love, compassion, being a father, being our savior. Lord, let us this week use your name only to glorify you, not to negatively use your name. Be with us this week. Be with these kids. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Lost in our service in Virginia, Major Robert S. Gooch IV, 34, from Chesterfield, Virginia. In Iowa, Culinary Specialist Third Class Austin P. Gaines, 22, from Des Moines, Iowa. In Connecticut, Hospital Corpsman First Class Eric J. Ramakers, 37, from Phoenix, Arizona. Before we pray together this morning, we do want to invite Shannon Rediger to come forward. Uh, this is our opportunity to, to give us an update about what God has been doing in her life, uh, specifically through her most recent mission trip to India. Uh, as, you, as you probably know, she spent about three months there from September, got home just a few days before Christmas. Um, so it's, it's a quick turnaround for you then as well, heading out here to Georgia here real soon. But we're so glad you can be here and share with us this morning. Take it away. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> um, I just wanted to have an opportunity to come and stand in front of you guys and say thank you so much for supporting me, um, not only just for this trip to India, but just these past two years. Um, it has meant so much to me, and I couldn't do what I've been doing without your guys' support. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, when I was asked to come and share a little bit about what I did in India, I wasn't, wasn't sure what I was going to um, share about. Um, India is very different than anything that I've ever experienced. Um, and I've been able to spend the past three weeks just spending some time in reflection. And um, one of the things I wrote in my journal, what was the best part of India? And so... Since it's hard to put it to words sometime, I'm going to read that journal entry because I feel like it shares what I learned and just my heart for India. I think the best part of being part of Rescue Pink is seeing and hearing about the changes these women and girls have experienced by joining in one of the three programs. I have met mothers who showed tears as they shared they could now feed their children. I've heard 120 women share that they want to educate their daughters. These women and girls are not given the same opportunities to succeed as we do in America. Rescue Pink gives hope. It frees life. It gives them a chance when there were no other opportunities for them. These mothers and families struggle with poverty and wonder how they will provide for their basic needs every day. The WEP program allows women to make income to provide, and these are very strong women. These women are taught that they're beautiful, strong, and brave. 
they are taught that they can believe in themselves. If I had to live my life doing one thing, I would do this every day. It gives people a chance. It gives hope in darkness, and it reminds people of their purpose. And in India, it reminds the girls and women that they matter, that they have potential. Many of the women and children of India are not getting the nutrition that they need. Mothers will sacrifice for their daughters. I love the nutrition program because it gives nutrients to the mom so that the breastfeeding mama can give nutrition to the baby so they will grow up healthy and strong. I have always loved children. And my first time in India, I loved being part of the after school program. It was beautiful to see Joanna's, she's the other girl I went to India with, um, curriculum, her new curriculum that she built for these children so that they can continue to learn English. Many of these children may not get food at home, so I'm thankful to see these children receive milk daily along with a snack. It's hard to imagine that these kids face poverty, lack of food, and even unsafe home conditions. I'm thankful that Rescue Pink can offer them a safe space where they can grow, learn, have fun, and simply be a kid. The best part was being part of the beautiful work and seeing and hearing firsthand how these programs are changing, changing these children's, women's, and lives. And you guys have played a large role in that. By donating to me, I've been able to go and I got to interview these 120 women. And so, these 120 interviews are taken back to America and the women are found sponsors. And it only costs $150 to sponsor one person to start their business. And that can just change the course of their lives. And that's just amazing to me. So I just want to say thank you again um, for your continued support. Um, so Pastor Joel was sharing a little bit about what I'm going to be doing next. I'm going to be moving to Gainesville, Georgia. And I will be attending a mission leadership school. It's the same organization that I went on the world race with. And my hopes is to be able to uh, receive their training and then hopefully lead trips. So that will combine my passion for ministry and for uh, missions at the same time. So I'll be able to lead trips across the world. And there are opportunities in the United States as well. So I'm just trying to leave my hands open to wherever God wants to bring me next, but I know he's called me to grow as a leader, so I'm very excited for that opportunity next. Well, thank you for sharing with us a little bit, Shannon, this morning, and um, just a little glimpse at what God has been doing in your life, and through that ministry you're able to work with in India, and what he's got in store for you next. So uh, once again, I do invite you to stick around after church if you're able. Um, there are going to be some refreshments over there, uh, and, and Shannon's going to be able to have an opportunity to share a little bit more in-depth about what uh, what she did while she was in, in India, and maybe a chance for you to ask some questions of her and interact a little bit more as well. I'm sure she'd love to share stories and tell you a little bit more about what was going on. So uh, please, if you're able to stick around, it'll be a great opportunity for that. I do want to take a moment and pray for you, Shannon, and, and lift up all of our other concerns as well. So I invite you all to pray with me at this time. Father, I do thank you for Shannon and for her ministry and where you are leading her, uh, Lord, in her life. Um, it's exciting to see her grow in, in her faith, grow in her ability, Lord, to, to trust you and, and follow you where you're leading. I do pray that you guide her over these next several months as she makes this transition down to Georgia. I pray that this training would equip her, Lord, for whatever you have in store for her next. Uh, and we ask, Lord, for your continued guidance in her life and in her ministry in the months and the years to come. Lord, I thank you for her willingness and thank you that, that she is, uh, that she is being sent out here from this place, that her ministry is, is really an extension of, of the ministry you've called us to, to do here at First Church. And so as, as a, as a missionary, as, as a person who is being sent out from here, we thank you and pray, Lord, that, that we would, as a church, continue to support her through prayer and that, that her work is, Lord, really an extension of ours here, and we thank you for that opportunity as well. 
Lord, we lift up as uh, other concerns as well. Um, Lord, we thank you that for an opportunity to reflect on missions in general. And the reminder, Lord, that, that you are the God of all people, of all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And, and whether it's work in India or whether it's work here in New Knoxville, Lord, it is all for your kingdom. And we thank you for that opportunity. We pray, Lord, that we would all be ambassadors of Christ and, and wherever you've placed us, our work, our families, our communities, and that we would be able to, to be able uh, to share the gospel in the light of your love with everyone we encounter. We ask that you would be with those that are represented in our prayer list this morning. We ask for your healing, for your provision, for your guidance, Lord, where it's needed. And in all things, as always, we pray that your will would be done and not our own. Um, because, Lord, we trust that you all work, can work all things for your glory and for our good. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks, Shannon. Now, if you are able, I invite you to stand and join with us as we sing number 428, I Need Thee Every Hour. You may be seated. At this time, I invite forward our ushers who are helping with the offering this morning. Uh, the offering will go to support the Building and Technology Improvement Fund, and we're glad to have the choir back with us this morning to serenade, to sing us during the song.
Please remain standing for the scripture reading this morning. The reading this morning comes from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 7. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can gather here, um, even in the midst of snowy weather, and worship you together as your people. We thank you for the radio ministry, that even though those there are many who may not have been able to make it here this morning because of the roads or the, the snow, uh, we know we are able to, to still join together and worship through that ministry. So we thank you, Lord, uh, for that opportunity and that privilege to, to um, share the word in this way. We pray now that you would calm our hearts and minds, help us to focus in on you and what you have in store for us. And may uh, this time bring you honor and glory today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Names are an interesting thing. They, they definitely uh, invoke certain memories, certain feelings uh, in us, especially as, as Allie and I discovered as we were trying to decide on what name to give our children. Uh, the first time with Josephine, it was, it was interesting. We didn't know, uh, we decided not to find out whether she was going to be a boy or girl until the birth. And so we had two names to try to pick out. And, and Allie at the time was an elementary school teacher. She's now in high school, but, but being an elementary school teacher, you associate certain names with those students, right? As you are teaching them. And so there were plenty of them that we just crossed right off the list from the get go. Like not even a chance that we were going to name our child one of those names because of the the experience that she had with those kids. Uh, with Josephine, we ended up obviously settling on two names and, and, and chose uh, Josephine for her. Uh, with Miles, we, we decided to find out uh, early on whether, it was, whether he was going to be a boy or girl. And so we, had, we thought this was going to be easier. We narrowed down the list to, to half of our options. We knew he was going to be a boy, and so we could focus in on that. And we even had a harder time with him uh, trying to settle in on a name. So much so, in fact, that, that even after he was born, it took us a day or, or not, maybe not quite a day, but some time to, to finally settle on a name because we had several options that we were trying to go with. We even jokingly put a, put a tally mark on the whiteboard in our, in our room and had the nurses come in and vote as they, as they came in to check on us. We didn't go with their decision, but we thought we'd at least have fun with it while we were at it. You know, the reason why we had such a difficulty picking names is because they do mean a lot, don't they? We associate certain memories or certain thoughts with certain names uh, based on our childhood experiences or family experiences. Uh, we, we, you know, we could probably throw out certain names uh, just out here and, and you would immediately have certain characteristics or certain personalities associated with them. Like that person is such a Joel, right? Or that person is such a Tory. <laughs> like we just have certain associations with names. In Romeo and Juliet, Juliet once asked herself, what's in a name, right? What's in a name? What significance is attached there? And I would say a lot. There really is a lot of, of significance associated with, with the name of a person. Names come to embody the individual's character and personality. And really that's at the core of this commandment that we're looking at today is, is the name of the Lord. God's name has, is so closely connected with this character, with this personality, that it is, it is a sin to misuse it or misrepresent it or to take it in vain. And, and Scripture over and over again testifies to the fact that God's name is, is connected closely with his glory. 
after Moses received the Ten Commandments and, and further instruction from the Lord on Mount Sinai, uh, we've already spoken of, of the rebellion that took place at the foot of the mountain. The, the God's people were becoming impatient and they made a golden calf and began to worship it instead. And so after this incident, we, we get a glimpse of this conversation between Moses and the Lord and, and Moses really crying out on behalf of the people. And, and Moses begging and pleading, in a sense, for God to remain with his people. And, and in doing so, he, he asked God to reveal his glory to him. We see this in Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Moses says, uh, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. When God decided to let all of his glory shine, and when God decided to, to reveal that aspect of his character and his glory to Moses, it was his name that God revealed. And we see that actually happening in the very next chapter, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 8. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations. And Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshiped. See, God's name, his, 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 his character is tied up in that. And so to misuse or misrepresent God's name is to misuse or misrepresent his character and his personality and his goodness and his love and his holiness. You see, it's, we, we can't have one without the other. In fact, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, we see that it's, that it's by the name of, it's, it's calling out in the name of the Lord, it's by the name of Jesus that all men and women were saved, right? It's by His name. And, and in Philippians chapter 2, we get the scene of, of one day all people will bow down and worship at the name of Jesus. What an amazing thought. And so the name has come to represent God and his character and all that he has done for us through Christ. And so to misuse that is to misrepresent God and, and all that he is. So that's what this commandment is really getting at. It's, it's so much more than just, um, say, vulgar language or so much more than just some stray OMGs, as Shelby shared with us earlier, or, or saying Jesus' name when you stub your toe on the couch in the middle of the night. Right, this commandment is so much more. It is those things, but yet so much more as well. Some of our old translations, uh, it's, so, it's funny how often we, we have our newer translations. And so in, in our NIV, which we often read from here in this church, the commandment says, you shall not uh, misuse the name of the Lord your God. Uh, sometimes we have our older translations kind of ingrained in us, and we may, it may, we may come to recall to mind, uh, do not take the Lord's name in vain, right? And that word there, vain, or to misuse, uh, it means empty. It means nothing, worthless. Uh, to use something to no good purpose. And so again, the concern is more than just a stray thought or stray words here and there, although that is part of it. The heart of the commandment is really about misrepresenting God intentionally or unintentionally for our own advantage. Pastor Kevin DeYoung says we break this commandment when we uh, use God's name in ways that are wicked, in ways that are worthless, or for the wrong reasons. And we see examples of this throughout Scripture. Uh, a few prominent ones that I want to highlight for you this morning involve uh, God's people swearing false or meaningless oaths in God's name. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, we see this commandment spelled out for us in more detail. Leviticus 19, verse 12, says, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Right To profane is to dishonor something, to defile it, to pollute it. It's, it's to make something the opposite of holy and set apart. And so when we misuse God's name by, by swearing falsely by it, we are, we are in a sense polluting God's name. When we swear an oath, we're calling on something, in this case God, to testify to our trustworthiness or the truth of our statement. And so to make a false statement and say, I swear to God that it's true, you're 
putting God's name in disservice. You're dishonoring a, a truthful God because God cannot be a liar. And so you are, you are misrepresenting God's name in that way. And an extension of the, you know, an extension of that is we often may use his name flippantly or thoughtlessly in a way that dishonors him. You know, we may, we may attach God's names to thoughts or to statements that really don't mean or have much significance at all. And so we're, we're attaching the name of the God, the creator of the universe, the all powerful sustainer of everything that we see in our own lives and attaching it to something that doesn't really mean much. That, in a sense, kind of devalues and dishonors his reputation and his glory as well. He is worth so much more than just to attach his name to things that don't really matter in the long run. And so the first example from Scripture is swearing falsely or meaningless, swearing false or meaningless oaths in God's name. Excuse me. The, another example is, uh, is people who give false visions or claim to speak for God when God did not really send them. Israel's history is littered with false prophets who claim to speak for God, but were not. Uh, one example of that is from Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah in particular dealt with false prophets, people that were claiming to speak for God and on God's behalf, yet were not speaking the truth. And Jeremiah 23, beginning in verse 25, it says, I've heard, this is the Lord speaking, I've heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of those lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. It is, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. See, we, we, we take the Lord's name in vain. We misrepresent him when, when, when we lead people astray through misusing and abusing his word. Later on in the New Testament, Paul warns of this very, very thing happening in the church in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In this letter, he's writing to Timothy, a young pastor who, who Paul had, had trained and equipped and left in charge of, of some churches. And he's writing these letters to encourage and strengthen and equip him. And so in, in the closing remarks of 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will run turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship and do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. See, it was a problem for God's people in the Old Testament. It was a problem for God's people in the New Testament. And it unfortunately continues to be a problem for God's people today. People who choose to, to misuse and abuse God's name and God's word for their own personal gain. And so we need to, the, to, to, we need to be careful not to misrepresent God's name as well in the same way. Taking scripture out of context and using it as proof text to, to bolster up our own point of view and claiming that this is truly what God wants for us. We need to remember that, that we need to take God's word and stand firmly in it and what it says and not uh, use it simply to back up our own point of view. Instead of misrepresenting God, we need to represent him well by using his word well. And the third one I want to highlight from, from Scripture is, is possibly the most serious. It's, it's, using, it's cursing and blaspheming God's name. Again, to flip back to Leviticus to demonstrate the seriousness of this command. God gives us Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16. It says, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him, whether foreigner or native born. When they blaspheme the name, they are to put, be put to death. 
Now, of course, we are no longer under these Old Testament uh, civil laws or civil, you know, instructions. We're not to stone people anymore, as Jesus demonstrated when the woman was brought to him, who was caught in the act of adultery. He says, let the one who is perfect cast the first stone. But yet we still see the gravity and the seriousness of blaspheming and, and cursing God's name here in this passage. And we may, you know, this is more than just four-letter words or, or, as I mentioned earlier, vulgar language. There are instructions in Scripture about wholesome talk, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building one another up. But when we talk about cursing and blasphemy, we're talking about something much more serious than just four-letter words. You know, to blaspheme is, is to insult, to curse, to show contempt for God. It is defiant sin. It is derisive and abusive speech. In other words, I would say it's the unchanging, intentional, hard-hearted rejection of God's work, and particularly the presence of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus Christ and those whom he sent to do his work. In other words, blasphemy is, 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 is just that hard-hearted, complete and utter rejection of God and what he, 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 all that he is and all that he is doing in the world. And some of you I know, I've, I've, I've spoken with people in the past about, uh, especially uh, when I was a youth pastor, teenagers, they were so concerned that they may have accidentally blasphemed the Lord. And I would tell them, I would assure them, I said, if you're concerned that you may have possibly blasphemed God, you haven't yet, right? Because blasphemy is such a serious, such an utter, complete, and total rejection of God that if you have even a thought that you can, are concerned that you might have accidentally done it, right, you don't have to worry about it. Because it's something that you must willfully and completely do, um, and it's not something you can do by accident. But we do need to be concerned that we are, that we are honoring God and, and, and don't even come close to that sort of attitude, that sort of willful and complete rejection of God's work in our lives. And so those are some examples from Scripture, but we also see how this commandment can play out in our own life based on those things. Uh, and so there's two points I want to make, and I want to encourage you in this morning. First of all, we need to avoid using God's name with false motives. As I mentioned earlier, it's very easy to attach God's, names to, God's name to things that are untrue, intentionally or unintentionally, things that are false or, or, or statements that are intended to, to, to deceive other people. We need to be careful not to right, swear to God when we know something that we are claiming or stating is not true or even half true because we're putting God's reputation at stake when we do so. Another, another part of this same mindset is, is we need to be careful not to claim that God is on our side in some absolute and total way, whether that's political parties or sports teams or, or the like, right? however serious or, or silly we, it may seem. We need to be careful not to say that we have some complete and total claim on God for ourselves. The concern isn't that God is on our side. The concern is that no, mat, no matter what side we're on, we need to be on his side. And I think there's, a, there's a, a great passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Joshua, that, that demonstrates what I mean by that. In Joshua chapter 5, uh, the, God's people had just entered the promised land, and, and they're about to, uh, about to take on the city of Jericho. You know, when we often think of the fall of Jericho, we think of God's instruction to march around the city, to blow the trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down. Uh, but before that took place, before that happened, it says that Joshua um, had gone off on his own. Uh, excuse me, it says in, in chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And here's the important part, verse 14. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. All right, we often think that we can claim like God is on our side. He's for our cause and, and completely against the other. But, but the concern that we must have is not whether God is on our side, but whether we are on his. Because God is always right. God is always just. God is always holy. And so our concern isn't to, to create this us versus them mentality and, and create division, 
but to seek the Lord out because where the Lord is, there is where we want to be, whatever that case may be. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, and, and um, there's no direct quote of this, but several contemporaries credit him with this. This quote, when asked about the Civil War and, and, and whether or not God is on the side of the, the Union, he replied, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. We also take God's name in vain and, and misuse it when God's name is used to create a false sense of authority for ourselves. I've had encounters with people who claim things like, well, God told me to tell you this, or God, God showed me that this is what you need to do in your life. Um, and, and things that, things that were minor and silly, but also some more serious claims as well. It's a very serious thing to claim to speak on behalf of God, isn't it? And so that's not something we want to do lightly. Even as I stand up here and preach, my goal isn't to say, um, thus saith the Lord, besides what I, you know, read and, and, and instruct from, from, directly from his word. You know, our concern is to, um, to, to speak the truth that is found in God's word. And, and when we begin to stray from that and say, I, I know what it says in here, but this is what I believe God wants. And this is, this is what God told me to tell you. There's, we're creating a false sense of authority for ourselves. Um, and we need to be very careful that. We need to be careful that we don't misrepresent God's will or God's intention for our own agenda, for our own personal gain. And secondly, a modern example or modern example of, of, of breaking this third commandment is attaching, attaching God's name to what is fake. See, words carry weight and they're not insignificant. And so we need to be careful how we use them. When God decided to create the universe, he chose words to be the agent of creation. He spoke and it came to be. When God decided to leave something for us uh, so that we may know him and know his character and know about the Lord so that we may be saved and become part of his family, he left the scriptures. He left words to do the work. So words are significant. And when we, when we, and so God's name also, uh, is significant, and we need to be careful what we say, especially as it relates to him and matters of faith. We, don't, we need to be careful that we don't begin to misrepresent God by using his name in a way that is not significant. But an even greater example of this is, is the fact that we often, we do represent God by the way we live our lives. We have God's name attached to us. Not only have we been created in his image, but if we claim to follow Christ, we have the name Christian attached to us. And so as Christians, we inherently bear the name of God in everything that we do and everything that we say and how we live our lives. And so we need to be careful not to misrepresent God by living uh, in, in, in a way that does not, is not according to his word. Right? Christian is our family name. We are part of the family of God. And, and no matter how hard we try, no matter what other labels we may come up with ourselves, we represent God by the way we live our lives. And so to claim to represent Christ and live as if we don't is a violation of the third commandment. We need to help encourage and equip others to bear the name well also. You know, we, we, we want to, as a church, help you to live life so that you represent God well, so that you don't misrepresent the name of the Lord. And we want to do the best we can to encourage and, and equip others to do it as well. With every commandment, there's, there's the negative side, but there's also the positive side. And so the commandment prohibits us from misusing God's name or misrepresenting his name in the world. And so the positive side of the commandment is that we should then represent him well. In order to avoid misrepresenting God's name, we must represent it well. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to, to pray for God's name to be hallowed, to be made holy, particularly in and through his people. In Matthew chapter 5, we, we get this passage about being the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And, and, and the light is meant to shine so that other people may see the good deeds we do. And what is the response or what is the reaction or the purpose of that? So that they may glorify the Father who is in heaven. 
Our light is to shine, not to point people to ourselves, but to point people to the Lord. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we're called ambassadors for Christ. In God's work of reconciling the world to himself, we're called to be ambassadors, representatives of his kingdom. We're called to go forth into the world and to proclaim the gospel so that people may, may hear what Christ has done for us and, and, and in doing so, be turned back to God and be reconciled to him. And so we're called to represent him well in this world. We've been given a name, Christian, and we can't take that name off of ourselves. And all that we do and all that we say and the way we live our lives, people are going to take notice and, and, and make judgments about who God is and his character. That doesn't mean that God's holiness is dependent on us. God's character is not dependent on us, but how people view it or how people perceive God to be is going to be impacted by the way we live our lives. And so we need to represent him well. And so in closing, I want, to, I want, I want you to, to reflect on a couple questions. Do you represent Christ well in work, at home, with your family, in your communities? And when people see you, can they see the light and the love of Christ shining through you? Those are some pretty big questions, and I I encourage you to reflect on those this morning. In Colossians 3, verse 17, Paul encourages the church to do all things uh, as if you're doing them for the Lord. And so I encourage you to think of that today, Not not just living for Christ while you're in church, while you're doing Christian things, but in every aspect of your life, it's a wholehearted, whole life commitment. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that that we have the opportunity to represent you in this world. And I pray, Lord, that we would not misrepresent or misuse your name and your character and your goodness and your holiness, but that we would represent it well so that people may see the light of your love and your gospel shining through us and may glorify you as a result of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In closing, let's stand and let's sing uh, number 76, O for a Thousand Tongues. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You may go in peace. Amen.